Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. How are you approaching Lent this year? Are you Hagar or Sarah? We heard in the epistle today, St. Paul uh, discussing Hagar and Sarah. And so let me give you a refresher on that story. In Genesis, we hear a lot about Abraham. Abraham is the patriarch of the Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Abraham, or more accurately at this point, Abram, because only later would he receive the name Abraham from God, is the son of Terah and a descendant of Noah who lived with his family in Ur of Chaldees. Abram had married Sarai, later to be known as Sarah, who was barren. Now God told Abram to leave his country, leave his family, and go to the land that God would show him. He had to give up everything for God. And God made a covenant, a solemn promise to Abram that he would make of Abraham a great nation. Indeed, God promised Abram that his descendants would be greater than could ever be counted. However, there was a problem. As I noted, Sarai was barren. And Abram and Sarai were already in their 80s by this point. And although people apparently lived a lot longer back then, it, was, it appears they were still considered well past the age of having children. Yet Abraham and Sarai trusted in God's promise. Well, at least at first. But then when things weren't going as quickly as they thought they should, Sarai and Abram took matters into their own hands. And they decided that they knew better how to make God's promise come to fruition, that Abraham would have descendants more numerous than could be counted. So Sarai had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And Sarai told Abram to sleep with her so that they could build a family through her. And Abraham agreed. So Sarai gave Hagar to Abram to be his wife also, and Hagar became pregnant. Now, unsurprisingly, this doesn't go so well. When Hagar learns that she's pregnant, she's jealous of Sarai and begins to despise her. Sarai gets upset and tells Abram Abram that he's at fault for the situation. Now, wait just a second. As I recall the story, just a paragraph before, it was Sarai who suggested this to Abram. But okay, sounds pretty typical of our lives, right? So what does Abram do? Well, he doesn't do the magnanimous thing either. He just says to Sarai, you do whatever you want with Hagar. Just leave me alone. So Sarai mistreats Hagar so badly that Hagar runs away into the desert. 
So how often is, is it that we, in our lives, don't like the way things are going? And instead of putting or keeping our trust in God, we try to take matters in our own hands like Sarai and Abram did here. And when we do that, how often do we find that things don't work out the way we hoped? How often do we compound then the wrong that we did by not trusting in God by making more wrongs? So if your Lent hasn't been going as well as you expected, did, is, did you try to take care of it by taking control of it? Or did you give up your challenges to God? Did you remain patient with yourself and others? Or did you decide there wasn't time to wait and ended up making the situation worse? Today is Latare Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent. It marks the Sunday that is more than halfway through our Lenten journey to Easter. Next week will be Passion Sunday, then Palm Sunday, and then it will already be Easter Sunday. The end is in sight, which is part of the reason we lighten the color this Sunday to rose, from purple, violet, to remind us of that fact. The light at the end of the tunnel is visible. And if you've struggled with Lent, and especially if you've tried to take control of it yourself rather than just giving up those struggles to the Lord, then relax. God will provide. He's faithful, patient, and steadfast. And as the story continues here, we see the depths of God's love and faithfulness. An angel of the Lord finds Hagar near a spring in the desert. How rejected must she feel? She's with child, wandering in the desert, mistreated by her master, with no one to care for her and protect her. Even the Blessed Virgin had the aid of Joseph as they fled with the young Jesus into the desert. And furthermore, throughout the Genesis account, Sarai and Abram never call Hagar by her name. Sarai merely refers to her as my slave and Abram as your slave. But there, next to that spring in the desert, the angel of God meets her and immediately calls her by name, Hagar, slave of Sarai. Where have you come from and where are you going? Where does Hagar come from? She says she's running away from her mistress, Sarai. But Hagar doesn't answer the second part of the question, where are you going? I think this shows her deep desperation that we've already talked about. She doesn't see a way out of the situation. There isn't a future for herself. She's lost, physically and spiritually. It's likely that if she does continue the way she's going, that she's going to die of dehydration and exposure in the desert. But the angel provides her a future. Maybe not the one that you would think would be the best, perhaps? The angel says, go back and submit yourself to Sarai. And adds that he will increase Hagar's descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The same promise, the same covenant that God made with Abram. He tells Hagar that she will name her son Ishmael, which means God hears because God has heard Hagar's misery. And Hagar says something really remarkable. 
something almost like the Samaritan woman at the well when she meets Jesus. Hagar says, you are the God who sees me, for I have now seen the one who sees me. To our modern ears, it may sound like the angel of the Lord re-enslaved Hagar. But we must remember that the world that Hagar lived in was a cruel and violent world that predated even the old covenant law that provided mercy as a dictate eye for an eye. doesn't sound very merciful to our ears, but that was mercy back then. Because in that world, a little tiny offense garnered an excessive penalty. And although Hagar may have returned to Abram and Sarai's house as a slave in one sense, she had been freed in so many others. By voluntarily submitting to God through faith in those angels' words, she returns home with the provisions and even peace for her to carry and raise her child. In fact, we hear of no major conflict between Hagar and Sarai until Isaac is born some 14 years later. And this time, it's Sarah who wants to ensure Isaac has the inheritance. Hagar also has the peace of knowing God and God knowing her in an intimate and personal way that would bring her strength and peace in the good times and the troubles that she would continue to experience, that we all continue to experience. We see that God will turn our brokenness into life if we let him. We see that even when we try to take matters into our own hands, that God will make the best of them. Now, Isaac is the son that God promised Abram, who's now called Abraham. God changed Abram's name, which originally meant the father is exalted, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And Isaac is, the, is their son's name, which means laughter. Because even though Sarah knew the promise of God, even though she had tried to take matters into her own hands to bring that promise to fruition, she laughed when she heard that she would bear a child in her old age. And she indeed did, Isaac. God has promised us an abundant life, a life with descendants more than we can count if we are faithful to him. You may or may not be blessed with flesh and blood children in your life, but my brothers and sisters, we are no longer a race of people born of flesh and blood, but instead are sons and daughters of the Most High, called to bring children of all types into this Christian life. Not one of us has been born a Christian or will be born a Christian. Each of us is reborn in baptism to be part of the family of God. And that way we are all one flesh and blood with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And be of good courage, because the Lord will never forsake his people or abandon his heritage. We, will, we can all receive the provisions and benefits of, of his family. But we do need to be upholding our family responsibilities. Like Hagar, even when the going gets tough, we can't decide that we'd be better off alone. We need to have faith because faith is the lifeblood of our relationship with God as we see in the story today. Abraham had faith. Faith we see tested again and again. We know that later in the story, and we will hear it um, 
in the coming services of Holy Week, that even though God gave Abraham Isaac, his, only, his, his one and only son, Abraham would be called to sacrifice his son. And he trusted in God anyway. He trusted in God. He trusted that God would still see to it that he would have descendants too numerous to count. And God provided them. Sarah had her doubts. And God still continually, faithfully provided for her too. Hagar had faith. Perhaps the strongest of all in the context of today's story. Because when the going got tough, she put her trust in the Lord, even when it meant going back to face a tough, uncomfortable situation. Sure, she had freedom on her own terms out there in the desert when she ran away from Sarah. But where was it going to lead her except to death? Her death and that of her unborn child. How often, my brothers and sisters, do we choose a false freedom that leads to our destruction and death rather than this paradox this freedom that comes from enslaving ourselves to the Lord. And we hear this story again and again throughout salvation history. How often the Israelites wanted to go back to serve their slave masters in Egypt rather than trust in the Lord who would carry them to the promised land. How today Abraham and Sarah made matters worse when they decided in their impatience that they would make a free choice to circumvent the Lord's plan. So, who are you today? How are you approaching Lent this year? Are you Sarah? Do you doubt God's promises? Do you use your freedom to say to God, don't worry, I'll take it from here? Do you try to take matters into your own hands because you're not willing to wait for the Lord to act? Do you laugh when God tells you that the promise has finally arrived? Or are you Hagar, who submits faithfully when all seems to be lost, who realizes that living free to merely die isn't all it's cracked up to be? Someone who, despite a Lent that's half over and yet seems a total failure, someone who's lost in the desert, who hopefully will hear a word from an angel of the Lord today, listen and return home to the Lord who will come to their senses as the prodigal son did in morning prayer this morning. Who will submit not to a harsh and jealous master like Sarah, but to a forgiving and loving one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the, and in the midst of the spiritual desert of our world, will this Lent come back home to find a place of protection provision and peace and forgiveness. And if you're already home, like the older brother in the prodigal story, or like Sarah and Abraham, I encourage you to do all you can to stay there. Remain faithful and journey onward. But if on the other hand, you're like Hagar in the desert, I assure you that the Lord is patient and all his promises are still valid. And there is still plenty of time, my brothers and sisters, for you to have a productive and restorative Lent also. So as we enter the home stretch, my prayer for all of you 
is that you will examine where you are, where you want to go. Think about whether you are Sarah or Hagar, and wherever you are, make the most of the weeks to come. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.